All right, how is everybody? So, um, just want to, you know, like have you nudge your neighbor, because the last service was a little, like, flat. I'm not sure what was going on. Um, kind of, so are you with me today? Okay, all right. So I have a joke. I have a lighthouse joke today. Okay. A nun goes to a priest and says, Father, uh, there's a hole in the roof of your church. Thank you for telling me, he says. But you've been here for years now. It's our church. The next day, the nun goes to the priest and says, Father, there's a broken window in your, I mean, our church. He thanks her again and calls for a repairman. The following day, the priest is preparing for a visit from the local bishop. He's weeding the gardens. He cuts his hand. He calls the nun over and he says, there's a bottle of rubbing alcohol in my quarters somewhere. Could you fetch it for me? The nun nods and goes looking for it. It is as the priest is greeting the bishop that she returns from the church and loudly announces, Father, don't worry about the weed. The alcohol was under our bed. (laughs) Forgive me, right? All right. Grab a Bible and turn with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. For those of you who are here uh, for the first time today, we've been going through the Gospel of John as a church family. And uh, we often do that with a book of the Bible. And we are going to read what is, um, to me, one of the most interesting uh, stories in the Gospels. Um, I'm pretty excited to share with you about it today. And and I, I'm going to read quite a bit of this chapter, so I want you to, you know, grab a Bible so you can follow along and hang in there with me um, as we read this, and then we're going to discuss it. Maybe hold on to your Bible because we're going to come back to it. But it's the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. So here we go. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way, and eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please, give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has given you and who you are speaking to, you would have asked me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? 
Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I will never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come back here and get water. Go and get your husband, he told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you are right. You don't have a husband. You have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet, so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? While we Samaritans claim it is here on Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshiped, Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Puritan or Samaritans know very well about the one who you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And the Father is looking for those who worship him that way. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. I'm going to read just a couple more verses. Then Jesus' disciples came back. They were shocked to find, out, find him talking to this woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? The woman left her jar, her water jar, beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming to the village to see him. All right. So uh, we are going to talk a little bit today about the barriers that separate us as people. Um, and we're going to talk about acceptance. So that shapes our question for today. What has acceptance in this lighthouse community meant to you and your spiritual growth? Um, I would also say that, you know, I consider spiritual growth part of our recovery. So you can answer what has acceptance in this lighthouse community meant uh, for you and your spiritual growth or recovery. And if you'd like to answer, Tim and Bill are going to run mics. You get their attention, stand up, speak directly in the mic, give us a brief answer, and let's see if we can get a few of you to share today. Hey, I'm Misty. Um, so when I first came here, um, I don't think it was very long into it, um, the question was, what is the worst thing you've ever done? And so I stood up in a crowd of a whole bunch of people, more than, more than this, I think, and... Um, said that, that the worst thing I ever did was drive my friend to go kill myself, go kill his parents, sorry. And uh, nobody thought anything wrong of me. In fact, I had a lot more people come up to me and thank me for being able to share my story a little cool. bit. Cool. Thanks, Misty. Uh, good morning, Lighthouse. Hi, Mom. I'm watching on, on the phone there. She can't make it. Um, I would say acceptance for me was um, right after my overdose, I had nowhere, nobody um, at all. And I came here two years ago, met Dale with my mom. My mom and I never came to church. And my spiritual growth through that time it has grown so much. I've accomplished a lot. And 
just thank you, Dale, for everything. You're a good man, and I appreciate you a lot. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Glad you came back. Who else would be willing to share today? What has acceptance in this lighthouse community meant for you and your spiritual growth? I'm a dick. God, grant me the grace to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Am I the only one in this congregation who gets stirred up and forgets to say that prayer? No. Thanks, Richard. Anybody else willing to share? Okay, we're going to come back here and then up front. Um, a few years ago when I was calculating how to drive my car into the river with, during the flooding, it was a lighthouse that was my semicolon. Hmm. Thanks, Heather. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm Dan. Um, since coming here and volunteering at different places, I no longer cross the street when I see people that most people will shun from. I walk to them. I greet them. I talk to them. Um, I no longer look down at people. I look up to people no matter where they're sitting, where they're standing, where they're walking in their life. Um, I tend to always look for the good way more than the bad. I would rather find good in people than bad. And I've learned all that through this place and different places. Thanks, uh, thanks Dan. <clears throat> I'm Ron. Uh, Lighthouse Church, uh, from 10 years ago until now, it's... It just amazes me, and um, the love and the care, everyone here, and the love that I've learned um, is just mind-blowing, and I just look forward to, uh, and, and I'm excited for the spiritual growth that I seem to be gaining every time I come. So I just want to thank everybody, and Dale and Beth. Oh. The music's outstanding. I love to come get my God on, so thank you. Oh. Thanks, Ron. Okay, got time for one more. Anybody else want to share? Anybody else? Would love to do one more. All right. Thank you. Huh. Hi, uh, my name is Keith. Uh, first time here. Uh, fresh out of the state penitentiary. Uh, normally for the last 47 years or so, I was seeking a drink or a drug, and I walked around until I found this place, and I'm grateful for being here this morning. Yeah, welcome, brother. That is why we all do what we do here, right? Uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, I, uh, I love this question, and for those of you who have been around for a while, you, you're going to hear a, a message that is kind of familiar to what um, is kind of core to who this community is. And I want to start by talking about some of the barriers that separate us as people. Um, because I believe that we construct barriers all of the time uh, that separate us. Um, and there are all kinds of barriers. Um, Jamie, are you going to sit down? Thank you. <laughs> um, so we construct barriers all of the time that separate us, and there's all kinds of barriers. There are those who have and those who have nots. Uh, there are those who believe like I do and those who believe not. There are those who vote like I do and those who vote not. 
And um, here's a good one. Um, those who love my jokes and those with absolutely no sense of humor. <laughs> I suspect that many of the barriers come from learned prejudices that we have, uh, or they develop from various experiences we have that have made us feel like either we are in or we are out. I know some of the barriers that exist today are, are racially motivated, uh, some are ethnically oriented, and some economic. Uh, some barriers are cultural we live in certain places, and we grow, grow up with certain values. Uh, for example, um, they kind of play out in interesting ways. Um, for some of us, we grew up in what I would say was a reserved Scandinavian Midwestern culture. So if you ask me how I am and I say, fine, I've told you all that you need to know. <laughs> A barrier, Right? Others, you ask, how are you? And you get an endless life story spoken at an unbelievably rapid rate with no opportunity to break in and change the topic. And you learn from then on, I don't think I'm going to ask that person how they are. A barrier. Some barriers evolve unintentionally. It happens in churches all of the time. For example, um, many of you have been coming here for a while. You've made friends, and you don't see them more than once or twice a week. And so when you come to church, you go to your friends. You hang out with your friends. And this can be a barrier, actually, for new people who are coming um, who need to make some acquaintances. And so, you know, I'd encourage you, when you come to Lighthouse, don't just hang out with your friends. Um, also, reach out to those who you don't know or you don't recognize. Um, one thing that has become uh, so clear to me over the years is that people come here uh, to Lighthouse Church all of the time with constructed barriers in their life. Um, and some of those barriers are pretty substantial. Um, your past, uh, your struggles our fears, our addictions, mental health issues can be a barrier, uh, criminal records and felonies can be a barrier. Um, I personally remember the barriers constructed by my own uh, struggle with alcohol and the aftermath and just the shame. I, just, I didn't, didn't want to be around people. Um, because everybody was talking about me, right? Yeah. Um, and I remember the embarrassment, and um, I just wanted to isolate. And it takes time to break those barriers down. One I do see um, all the time here at Lighthouse Church is there are barriers that we create in our own heads. Kind of a scary place to hang out sometimes, Right? And uh, we can tell ourselves, I'm not good enough, I'm a failure, I'm not smart enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'll never make it. Um, we sometimes think, you know, he looked at me funny or she looked at me funny and I, I know they're talking about me, I wonder what they're thinking, I wonder what he is saying. And so we construct these barriers that turn us in on ourselves. 
Um, here's the deal. I would love to kind of dispel one of you, um, you know, or one of them for you. Uh, if you think everybody is looking at you or talking about you, uh, chances are if they really did look at you funny, it's because there's something going on in their life. Or maybe they just have gas. Who knows? In fact, um, let's tear a barrier down right now. Um, if you are here and you're sure that everybody is not only looking at you but talking about you, can I just say that everybody is not talking about you. You're really not that important. We have other things to talk about. Turn and tell somebody you're really not that important. You enjoyed that way too much, let me just say. Can I just say that our judgments of other people can create barriers? Uh, Dan, you answered it in the question. You know, we look at other people, we judge them, and um, that creates a barrier between us and them. Um, So I want to say that today we have a story of Jesus and the woman at the well. And in many, I mean, there's so much that we could talk about, but but what I want to talk about today is just the, the barriers that sometimes exist and, and, and how um, Jesus breaks them down. Um, this is a great story. Uh, to understand it, though, you really have to understand some things about Bible times. So let me just give you a little um, biblical lesson. Uh, first thing you need to know is that it would have been very uncommon and inappropriate for Jesus, a Jewish man, to approach a woman that he didn't know in public. It was very unusual, and it would have been looked at as sinful or taboo. And it was even more unusual that they would engage in a conversation like they had. Secondly, uh, she was a Samaritan, and uh, she even said it, Jews don't associate with Samaritans. And uh, we don't have reason to go into all the details about that, but let me just say this that Samaritans to Jewish people were considered like those people who grew up on the wrong side of the track, right? Um, People kind of like some of us. And um, I've shared before that that one of my um, interesting pet peeves from my time at Lighthouse has been I run into people and we talk about what they what I do here and what we do at Lighthouse Church and kind of explain that we're a recovery-based community. And, and um, here's what I hear all the time. I'm so glad that there is a church for those people. <laughs> Turn and tell somebody we're those people. Yeah. So can I just say this? Um, so the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman... She was those people, huh? Um, She had a checkered past, and she was a bit of an outcast. And one could say that if there is somebody in the Gospel of John that many of us in this room could identify, it was the woman at the well. Now, a couple of other things I want you to know from a biblical standpoint. It's also interesting that the woman went there at noon, You can just read over that and not even catch it. She went to the well at noon. And it was the role of women to go and get the water each day. It was done first thing in the morning. 
and it was done in the evening. First of all, because it was cooler out then, but it was also a social time. The women all went to get it in the morning. They went, all went and got it in the evening. It was a time to converse. It was a time to fellowship. It was probably a time to gossip. It was the beginning of water cooler talk. But I want to point out that she was there at noon. You don't go to the well at noon. Um, unless you don't want to be around people. From the beginning, we get a glimpse of what is to come. She intentionally comes when she knows nobody's going to be there. It's interesting, isn't it? The barriers in her life, wow. Whether they were constructed um, by her own you know, past or others' judgments in her own mind, the barriers were huge. And if I have to go get water, I'm going to go when there's nobody else there. And I just want to stop here because um, my experience is that Lots of us have had those kind of barriers in our life. And, um, you know, some of you might be living there right now <laughs> um, in isolation. And I, I don't know what brought you here today, but, you know, it's pretty common that people walk in this place and it was like, I finally made it in. Because <laughs> I've been coming for several weeks, but I couldn't get in the door. Huh? You know, these barriers are enormous in our life. If you are um, living in isolation, um, chances are your past has separated you from people. It might be separation from family. could be separation from your kids. It could be separation from friends. Um, maybe a barrier has been set up that just leaves you wanting to isolate and you come here and we talk about it all the time, isolation is our enemy because we know it's not the healthy thing for us. It's possible that you've constructed a barrier for yourself like nobody loves me, nobody will accept me, nobody will care for me, nobody um, will give me a chance once they know what I have done huh? or who I've become, especially God, and um, one of the things we learn about isolation um, is isolation is about survival when you've got lots going on. So my message is really simple today. Here it is. Jesus is a barrier breaker. That's what I want you to know. That Jesus breaks down barriers all of the time. Um, and not only did he break down the barrier for the woman at the well, he can break down or can begin to break down barriers for you. With Jesus, the things that separate us are torn down and thrown away. I'm going to show you that in our time together. Um, your past is forgiven and remembered no more. That is amazing. The Bible says that God's mercies are new every morning. That includes Super Bowl Sunday. Whatever baggage you're carrying around, 
um, and you brought here this morning, it's time to lay it down and let Jesus carry it. Jesus came to reveal to us God's love for us, that he loves you just as you are. He knows about your past. He knows about your mistakes. He knows about your struggles. He knows about your failures. And he loves you unconditionally. He doesn't wait for you to get this all figured out. Didn't wait for the woman at the well to kind of have life put together before he would accept her and communicate with her. He just engages us and gives us his promises um, unconditionally. He knows all about you, and he loves you just as you are, completely. No barriers. No barriers. In fact, um, I want you to, to look at verses 13 and 14, if you still have your Bible open. Uh, Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Um, we've been uh, looking at this heart the last uh, few weeks, right? Maybe it was just last week. And um, I've, uh, I've shared with you that to me, this is the best illustration I've ever seen of the difference between religion and the spirituality that Jesus brings. Um, many of you grew up in kind of a, a religious environment that said, um, in order to be acceptable to God, in order to be acceptable in the church, in order to be acceptable, you know, do these things, don't do those things. It was kind of an external pressure on us that was meant to somehow, you know, maybe moderate our behavior or shape a good person of God. But what I've tried to, to share with you um, at Lighthouse is that, is that it's the opposite of the way Jesus actually works. The way Jesus works is he starts in your heart and says, you are acceptable just as you are. And then he begins to work inside of you in a way that begins to bubble up, just like 7-Up when you drink too much, right? Ah, begins to bubble up. And some of you are experiencing that, like, like all of a sudden, you know, what's going on inside of me is beginning to kind of shape the way I look at life and shape the way that I look at, at things and other people and even shape the way that I look at God and his relationship and role in my life. You know, it's interesting that the New Testament literally says that when God's love for us in Christ Jesus is planted in us, and begins to bubble up that it makes us into a new person. God is continually working in your life to create something new. Grab a Bible and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'd like to read a few verses there. There should be page numbers up on the screen. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 should be a Bible around you if you'd like to follow along. And can I just begin reading at verse 14? So find that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. This is the Apostle Paul um, who's writing this. He says this. He says, Either way, Christ's love begins to control us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. In Jesus, we die to the past. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. 
how differently we now know him. Um, so in another place, in, in the book of Galatians, Paul says that when we are new in Christ Jesus, when he is creating this new person in you and me, um, that the way God looks at us is that there is no longer a male or female. That's weird, huh? Like literally the gender things and barriers that maybe separate us, in God's eyes, those are gone. That's, that's pretty big. It says there's no longer Jew or Gentile. In other words, um, the ethnic, the cultural, the skin color things that separate us as people, God doesn't even see those things anymore. We are all one in him. Um, when we are in Jesus, it says that there is no longer slave or free, haves or have-nots. There are no longer those who are lovable and those who are not. Here's one. In Jesus, in the new life he creates in us, there's no longer anything like Republican or Democrat. <laughs> um, we are all one in Christ. You see, the barriers, the things that separate us as human beings in this life, in God's eyes, those things begin to disappear as new life is created in us. Now, in verse 16, it says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. That's a big deal. I've got a ways to go in that way. Um, we have stopped evaluating people from a human, point of, one, uh, human point of view. Wow, what if we started to see people like Jesus saw them? What if at least um, when we came here, uh, we treated people like Jesus would treat them, as precious children of God created in his image, uh, as people who are beloved and redeemed, people who Jesus died on the cross for, you know, you may battle an addiction, but in Jesus, I, you are a son of the king. You may battle mental health issues, but in Jesus, I, you are a son created in God's image or a daughter created in God's image. You know, as far as Jesus is concerned, your felonies, whether you are homeless or gamefully employed, those things don't matter as much. What he sees is what he has created and what he has redeemed. Whether you are somebody who's living at a shelter now or on the street, like the person that I saw when I first came to church this morning, or somebody who's gamefully employed, you are created in, in God's image. You came in in a pretty vulnerable state, just like Enola, and you're going to leave in the same way. And what we do in between is we allow Jesus to shape us and to create the person he wants us to be. Now listen to this. Um, it says in the uh, second half of verse 16, at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, the new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. 
he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are now Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Um, so one of, the, one of the cool things about this faith of ours is when Jesus does begin to stir in our hearts and create this new person in us, and it begins to bubble up, um, what happens is we tend to move from being uh, somebody who was reconciled to being somebody who would like to be about reconciling others to Jesus Christ. And so um, I, I just read the beginning of the rest of the story in John chapter 4. The woman who encounters Jesus and her um, encounter leads to the beginning of her faith in new life, her bubbling spring of life that boils up in her, um, and it begins to come up, come out. And what the story tells is that she goes back into town and she brings a bunch of other people because she would like them to meet Jesus. It's not a coincidence that she meets Jesus at a vulnerable time in her life, by the way. God often picks such times in our life to reach out to us and to connect with us. It is in such times that he knows you and I are most open because God uses our struggles. Some of you are here at the right time. And I hope you've heard me. This message of Jesus is that God loves you. That he loves you just as you are. He knows your stuff. He knows, you know, all about the, the, the things that you have done and the things that have brought you to here to Lighthouse Church. Just like he knew everything about the woman at the well. Um, he knows that there are barriers in your life and he still loves you just as you are. You know, um, I tell you all the time, there isn't anything you can do today that's going to make God love you more than he did yesterday. Nothing you do today that's going to make him love you more tomorrow. Allow Jesus to begin to break down the barriers. So uh, today, I have an action plan, okay? So we're going to go through this really quick. Um, you might be in one of three spots, so you can decide which one you are. Um, I'm going to speak, first of all, to the people where there is something new going on in your life. If there's something new going on in your life, like, you know, I don't know what's happening, but like something's inside of me and it feels like it's like bubbling up. It's maybe not in digestion. Um, it actually may be the Holy Spirit beginning to work. If that's you... Um, today, what I want to encourage you to do is I want you to tell someone. Um, if you have a trusted person, tell that person. Um, if you trust me, just come up afterwards and just tell me. You know, I think something new is happening inside of me. Um, Pastor Aaron um, is in the back of the room. You can tell Aaron if you know Aaron. Um, because here's the thing. We want to encourage that um, in our walk of faith. We want to know um, when people are experiencing something new. Um, for others of you, I want to just simply ask, um, what barriers have you constructed that need to be torn down? Um, it might be some of the mental health issues or addiction issues that you face. It might be shame. It might be fear. Um, or it might be some of the past that, you know, you've run pretty hard and you know, what, what barriers do you need to kind of start working on? And 
You know, if you've got some of those barriers, I want to encourage you to identify some of them today. What is separating you from, from people and from, from a life where you can feel the acceptance of a community like this and where maybe God can start to work in your life? If you'd like to talk about those barriers, um, I'd be happy to visit with you about that sometime. And, uh, and here's the deal. Um, some of you um, probably have been thinking most of the, the time I've been talking that there is a barrier between you and somebody in your life that needs to come down. And uh, it might be a family member. might be your children. Uh, might be a parent. Um, but my guess is that um, lots of us in this room um, have been able to identify somebody for whom there's a barrier right now. And um, if that's you, um, what I want to encourage you today to do is to take um, one step towards deconstructing that barrier. Don't barge, barge it down. Don't run over the barrier. In fact, do so often with an accountability team or a sponsor, but maybe it's just as simple as a note or a message or a text or a kind word um, or a phone call this week. Um, But what I want you to know is that in Jesus' eyes, um, barriers have no place in our life. Barriers have no place in our life. And uh, as a community of, of people we call Lighthouse, that's the kind of community we're going to be. Amen? I'm going to say a quick prayer with you while the musicians come up. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for um, being with us, Lord. We all have barriers in our life. Maybe somebody here today, Lord, is first hearing about your love and your stirring in their hearts inside. And Lord, we pray that you would give them courage to pursue this walk with you. For others, Lord, I know that um, many of us, you know, have constructed our own barriers, maybe from our past or our issues or our struggles, Lord. Help us to break down some of those barriers and to work on them in ways that would bring us freedom. And Lord, um, if there are people here who, you know, got somebody that there, there needs to be some, some healing in that relationship, Lord, um, help us to be responsible and to maybe take a step. Uh, Lord, we, we rejoice in being this family and knowing that you are with us and that you look at us um, as if we are simply your children dependent upon you. Help us to love one another as Jesus has loved us. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen.